Welcome the founder and host of BuddyCast, Nick Sorensen. Good evening, buddies. It's hey, time. Nick. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, buddy. Do I call you buddy or do I call you Nick? Because it says buddy. Either or. Either or. What was the buddy thing we were talking about earlier today? It was something we couldn't discuss. I have somebody here. There was some buddy thing that we were just laughing our butts off about the buddy something or other. But it's nice that the word buddy is a very, it's a very great word. And I appreciate mm -hmm. what, what you, know where, you know where buddy, where I got this whole terminology of buddy, buddy cast, all that? No, I don't. It was from my grandfather. Really? I was his buddy. Anytime yeah. I went over to his house, hey buddy, how you doing? Anytime we called each other on the phone. Hi buddy. You know? Yeah, now like in the two thousands, like he's my bud, you know, or yeah. you know, it's like uh, that Malibu surf thing, you know. Hey, yeah, he's my bud. Mm -hmm. So Roger, uh, yeah. First off, you're not a you're not a guest on the show. You're a buddy. Oh, thank you. I'd rather I prefer to be a buddy. Absolutely. So, so buddy, I now. yeah. So buddy, let's get to know you a little bit. Let's start <laughs> off with how did you get into acting and becoming a professional impersonator. Well, I think my whole life I've been sort of very anxious to get attention for one reason or another. Um, and I, of course, we all try to make our moms laugh. So I was very busy um, and, you know, uh, really just doing ridiculous. My family comes from they're clowns that we don't we're not real intellectuals. We just like fart jokes and physical humor and clowning. My mother was a great clown. Mm -hmm. And her mother was a great clown. So there's just a lot of clowning. And we pick up on that. My father was over the top hysterical when he was funny. So I just followed along with that and been, just been ridiculous and did the stupidest possible stunts to get attention, to get laughs. And then my parents dragged me into this, uh, into the living room to watch the show called Copycats with Rich Little and Frank Orson and Marilyn Michaels. And Rich Little was the original, I am not a crook. And then, uh, you know, I started doing Rich Little and then I started doing Columbo when I was like really young <laughs> and just following my mother around the house going, ah, mommy, could I ask you something? I don't want to bother you. She says, you're bothering me. Well, that's the idea, man. And then, you know, I'd have a raincoat and she said, would you please leave me alone? <laughs> but she thought it was funny. And there were, oh boy, by the time I was 11, I was in professional dinner theater and doing a little Chinese Prince and the King and I, and all of a sudden I'm doing solos. And, uh, you know, I was really got the bug, you know, I love the attention. So that's how it started. Mm -hmm. And here we are. I haven't really matured too much. Yeah. You don't grow up. What's the saying? You don't grow uh, or you don't stop playing because you grow old. You grow old because you stop playing. That's right. Damn it. Stop not playing play with others be my buddy buddy exactly fun. you know if you're not having fun what the hell are you doing mm -hmm. 
you know, yeah, I'm a very serious guy, but you know, the fun is what, what makes it all worth it. You know, mm-hmm. finding fun because life is hard, man. You mm-hmm. know? It's not bad, but it's hard. It can be difficult. Yeah. You know what, what else? Is your, yeah. You know what else they say? All work and no play make Jack a dull boy. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's true. Um, but uh, work is also what drives me. I'm very, very driven. I'm very ambitious. Uh, work is my drug of choice because I'm a recovering drug addict and alcoholic. So when uh, when I stopped all that noise, um, I found that work, especially painting, was my new way of getting high. And then comedy, when, when you get into uh, an interaction and a communion with an audience and they appreciate what you're doing and you appreciate what they're giving you, you get a, you get high, you know, watch what Robin Williams did on the tonight show. He would get the audience rolling and he would just escalate and go further and further until he was basically out of breath. Bingo. Fun to watch. Speaking of Robin Williams, you're a Robin Williams impersonator. How, when and how did you discover Robin? Well, like everybody else from uh, Mork and Mindy, when I was 17, and I saw him, and I was like, oh, my God, that's me. How the hell? He got there before. Some, and I took my act. And I didn't have an act. I was 17. You know, mm-hmm. I was like in high school smoking weed. But if I had an act, he took what I was going to do with my life and took it way past what I could have done. So there's this envy and this love for what he did and how he did it and giving me a way to be free like that with with this sort of chemical, intuitive way of being, instead of thinking everything out, uh, I would just find a way to do things off the cuff. And so when I was 17, I saw Mork and Mindy and I'm like, hey, okay. And I started being like that. I started being more and more like Robin Williams in my day-to-day without even meaning to. Or, hey, okay. I just started feeling Robin. It was weird. And then, you know, at some point when I was about 30, somebody said, you really should stop doing Robin in your act because I do a lot of other impressions. And I was like, why? Why would I do that? You know. So then that brings up some follow-up questions. What's your favorite Robin Williams movie? Oh, the Fisher King. I love that performance. Yeah, yeah. It's got all the Robin Williams stuff in it. It's it's a very, very emotional experience for me. For some reason, a very broken man finds a way back to his himself mm-hmm. through love and through concord through through a quest. He was on a quest and he had this terrible demon following him around, which is this tragedy threatening to tear apart his his psyche and he kept escaping and I just I I really related to that in a way and I loved how that movie went Mm -hmm. Um, he was in it was a miraculous performance it was extraordinarily deep and very funny and very Robin performance so I think he put everything he had into that one performance Mm -hmm. does that answer your question it does what about your favorite Robin Williams character like movie character TV character would that be the same or would you have someone oh, I think else? Mark was really wonderful. I mean, you know, he did different characters. He did Mrs. Doubtfire, which is not my favorite. I mean, I like Mrs. Doubtfire, but I thought, you know, buried under all that character wasn't really purely. I mean, it was a good character. It was a good piece of work. But, you know, I thought Mark and Mindy was extraordinary. It's mm-hmm. just watching a guy completely 
you know, take off. Um, and, and some of what he had written away from the writers was absolutely hysterical. And he snuck it in to the script when nobody was looking like, uh, how clean are we here? Are we very clean here? I, what's to, I aim to be clean. You know, I aim, right, to, well, be, I I aim to be buddy like. Yeah, no, I can't repeat it. It wasn't a swear, but it, the uh, the innuendo was what he got away with a lot on that show. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so that was something I learned later that Robin brought this real naughtiness to the character when we didn't even realize. But he was very innocent too in that he, you know, didn't have he didn't have the tools that we humans had. So he was heavily reliant on Mindy and and falling in love with Mindy and watching that tenderness, you know, evolve and all that passion that he brought as an entertainer was, oh, it's overwhelmingly good. Nice. What about, you know, Robin's been known for his comedy, He's but he's also known for a few little motivation here and there. What's your favorite motivational phrase from Robin Williams or your favorite motivational moment? Make your life spectacular. Love that moment. That's one of my favorites. You didn't see the movie. I didn't even see the movie, but I think that's that's a great challenge for anybody. Mm-hmm. And it's an open door if you choose to go through that. Mm-hmm. Make your life spectacular. I know I, know I did. I know I did. And that mm-hmm. was the essence of what he, he was. He kept seeking ways to make his life spectacular. And in that way, he made mine. I was retired. I, I had no ever interest in ever returning to theater, movies, TV until he passed. And then something happened, something that egged me on. Maybe Robin Spirit himself going, let's go back mm-hmm. to work now. And I was like, no, I don't know. I'm out, man. Forget it. And I'm here talking to some ghost, you know, but no, Robin. And I threw him out of my life. I said, you can't come in here. He kept persisting. The spirit of Robin kept coming into my consciousness and invading my life. And after a while, that's what my movie's about. You'll see being Robin. Mm-hmm. I was just about to ask you about that. Yeah. Finally, you know, I said, who am I to say no to Robin Williams? What if this is a real, almost biblical request? Like, I need help. Please help me. I need to get back to work. And I was like, what does that mean for me? Like, I'm going to re- come out of retirement and risk my life because theater and show business is very, very toxic for me at at the time when I was, you know, in the eighties, when I was kind of doing a lot of it Mm -hmm. up on a lot of drugs because of the failure and the rejection of the series I was on and getting fired from saved by the bell and all this stuff just created a very uh, dark individual out of me for a while. And so when Robin came around, and all I was doing was painting and I was in recovery and sober and I'm just painting pictures and being very happy. I think there's one of them behind me there. Um, and and, and I, I just said no. But then I said, who am I to say no? So I started putting together a tribute to Robin as Robin. So I would go on stage and act like Robin for, and just pull the top of my head off and see what happened. I wrote stuff too to anchor uh-huh. down, but there was a lot of improvisation, a lot of playing and uh, that that I think... I felt him very, uh, very much in those moments when the audience was really laughing. I felt him experiencing that. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird? It is, but hey, whatever works, man. Whatever works. 
but we're very close in, in, in our disposition. I'm also manic depressive uh, and a dr and recovering drug addict. He was that. I don't have his mental acuity, but I have something of that, that drive towards finding and accessing the funny within me to, mm -hmm. share, to find them funny in the moment between two people, whenever it can exist and breaking down social barriers to get to you is what he did. Exactly what he did. Just meaning what's normally expected to be polite at dinner and whatnot. So mm -hmm. that's exactly what he did. He found a way through comedy, through his movies to really mm -hmm. connect with people. He did. Make... That's. Mm -hmm. he and the beauty, of, yeah. the beauty of it too was him saying, you know, you're right. He did suffer depression. That ultimately was the final, you know, the finale for him, unfortunately. But the reason he made all this comedy, the reason is because he knew what it was like for people to be at that state. And he didn't want them to feel that way. Well, he wanted them to laugh. He wanted them to feel good, to have good memories. Yeah. Like when they watch Mrs. Doubtfire and I quoting, you know, Mrs. Doubtfire or are watching the movie Jack and hear that inspirational speech at the end to go out and make your life spectacular. Yeah. I, I do, and and also the you know the Dead Poets Society was very inspirational too, mm -hmm. about finding your own voice. What will be your verse in in the poem of life? I have to correct you, buddy. He didn't die of depression. He died from mm -hmm. something called Lewy bodies dementia, mm -hmm. which you know may or may not have been tied to the depression. It might have uh, been part of it, or depression being part of that. But he had a physiological brain disease that caused mm -hmm. him a terrible breakdown of all his systems including his his mental abilities and his ability to function to communicate and in the end he was quite out of it and mm. you know just to dispel any notion that he you know yeah died of drugs or anything else it wasn't it was they found after he died from the autopsy they found louis bodies the worst case they'd ever seen mm. they were surprised he lived that long he was a tough guy yeah well, thanks for thanks for the information. Thanks, for, I learned You're something. So welcome, but I don't I don't do it to correct you. I do it. No, 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 no. I'm glad I'm glad when I'm informed that way. I'm glad well, when I learned something new. Yeah, no, I think it's important to put the right information out there, which I know his widow was very, very keen on doing. And mm -hmm. she made a documentary called uh, Robin's Wish, which really broke down what happened to him. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to you know. You're not wrong. He was. He did suffer from depression very, very, very acutely. Uh, mm -hmm. throughout his life loneliness uh insecurity believe it or not robin williams was insecure he was not sure he was doing good work you know when he was absolutely brilliant he was like well i think jim carrey is doing more important work with me i don't know oh he was very insecure and it was like why what are you worried about and you could see that hum that human side of him all the time his desperate need to make people laugh mm -hmm. sometimes he was also very self-assured which mm -hmm. i love too and that's the thing about celebrities too, you know, how many of them have that human side? We forget that they're human. We forget, you know, we see Robin Williams on the street, you know, walk down our street or something like that. Odds are he's followed by a crowd or something. But at the same time, we just got to remember, he's like you and me, you know, he still has feelings. He still has, he's still, mm. you know, he's a human being. Yeah. He's Robin Williams. He's also quite a minister in, in a human sense where he, I think would see somebody hurting like I heard about this woman at the airport and she was crying or something and he just went over to her and said can I help you at all you know just like anybody sh should acknowledge another person who might mm -hmm. need somebody to talk to or some help 
and he would do that. He's forget the ego thing, you know, out the window. Mm -hmm. He was there for you as a human being. He helped exactly. a lot of a lot of people. He exactly he, he exemplified the role of Patch Adams, like in his real mm -hmm. like he was not only Patch Adams in the movie, but in real life, that's who he was, you know. He was a Buddha. I mean, in a lot of ways, I believe Robin was a great spirit in the same way a Buddha. I've experienced it. His humongous energy and heart um, that I couldn't possibly aspire to, but I certainly admire. Mm -hmm. And to, I don't call consider myself an impressionist as much as somebody who was a, a method comedian, you know, some really exploring what it is that make uh, characters tick um, Robin, any of the other characters that I do, what, 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 where are they coming from, man? Not just Nanu Nanu and making a face or sounding as much as possible like they do, but what, what drives them? What's their secret? That's all acting, you know? Who do they love? What do they love? What keeps them going? You know? Absolutely. So tell me more about your movie being Robin. Tell us more like Oh Being Robin is it's right here. I happen to have a copy. And you open it up and there's the actual disc. That's me being Robin. And mm -hmm. uh it just uh I've been working on it for four years. It's based on the stage show uh that I've been doing for eight years and as a tribute, but the, the experience that I had with Robin that I started to describe to you about what happened when he passed, what disrupted my life, what was a very, very hard time for me to accept that he was gone. And then the, what I call possession, or he took me, he took me away from my own life and, and into this world where I was being Robin a lot of the time when I really wasn't expecting to. And the inability to get out of the character sometimes, you know, even out on, in the world, I was like, hey, look what you're doing. And my mind was constantly turning into the funny. And so this movie talks about, uh, it's a documentary basically, but it's re reenactment of some of this stuff that I went through. And there's quite a few clips from the actual shows uh, that I performed over the years. And it's getting talked about. Mm -hmm. They're talking about it. It's, it's, it's going to be playing in some cinemas locally. And uh, it, people have been sniffing around. I just got asked to do, uh, what is it? America's Got Talent. Ooh. Which is kind of like a big thing for where I'm at because I feel very independent of Hollywood. But I'm like, if I do that, I mean, do you think I should do it? I think you should. Really? Yeah. I've been very independent of Hollywood. I made the whole movie myself and yeah. edited it and marketed it and wrote it and starred in it. And because I didn't, I had such an experience with Hollywood that I almost let it kill me. And I say it was on me, but I, I am very, have a lot of trepidation around Hollywood, but this, this gentleman was very interested in talking to me about what I could do on the show as Robin. And so we'll talk tomorrow. And if we agree that what I could bring to the show is something very different than other people have brought and my brand of what I do is allowed, I should do it. But sure? it's like, no, we want you to do Jack Nicholson goes into McDonald's as Robin Williams. That's our format. I'll say, I, I really, that's not my thing, you know? Yeah. I'd go on stage and, and people would go, you know, hopefully what they do, what they do in the live show, they somewhat shocked because the behavior and all the look and everything is, 
is essentially Robin. Absolutely. And if I pull that off on national TV instead of just TikTok, that would be a good goal for me. Because TikTok, you know, it's TikTok. I mean, mm -hmm. it's cool. You know, I'm not a, a kid dancing around in my living room. I'm, I'm a 60-year-old man doing other things. Mm -hmm. I have a long career of other things. Um, mm -hmm. I've worked in a lot of areas, but I think it's a good challenge for an actor to go on something like America's Got Talent and beat the odds of being cheesy. Mm -hmm. I've seen some great singers there, but a lot of the com comedians I've seen bomb doing Robin Williams or Robert De Niro. And I feel badly for them because I feeling they got pushed into a thing they didn't really feel comfortable doing. Like we real and, and they, we really want you to do this. And we really want you to look like that. And we're going to ask you questions yeah. and then you go into character. When I go on stage, I just want to be Robin. I don't want to be on Roger and, and answer your questions. And then, Hey, you know, I don't want to do that. I want to come on as Robin and freak people out and go, Oh my God, what am I looking at? And then make them laugh and then give them the Robin whole package experience and then touch them. A million plus people just touch them. Just let them feel touched by this spirit that I'm trying to bring to it. And if we could do that without, eh, 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 I don't need a golden freaking buzzer or any of that. I don't need the million dollars. Although what do you got? Mm -hmm. I just think that would be a goal for an actor. Most. So that's how I see it. And I'd work hard towards that. And that's what I did in the movie. I worked really hard to bring a, a tale that's honest and, and based in truth and based in my own struggles as somebody who's a drug addict, uh, somebody who's bipolar and somebody who dearly loved Robin Williams and how to express that. And people are, exp they're, they're responding to it. Do you have the trailer by any chance? I don't have the trailer on me, but I can, I can post it in the comments for people to watch later. Cool. Yeah. Um, and I did send it, but I think maybe too late in the website. Uh, yeah. You can buy the movie on the website, which is beingrobinthemovie.com. For those of you who still have a pencil, they look like this and a piece of paper. Wrong. Even in an envelope. I'll do you one better, buddy. Ah, you got it. So that's where you can look at the trailer. You can look at the trailer on beingrobinthemovie.com. Thank you, buddy. Of course. And I, I'm putting this out there not because, oh, my God, I need the money. It's a telethon. Um, it's because I want to share this experience with people. It yeah. Was very, it was very, Robin is very dear to me, and I want to give him proper. Mm -hmm. And that's what Buddy Cast is for, to help you share that story. To connect. Yes. The way we're connecting. I feel like it's, what, that's exactly. why you do anything. Why do you do this? What you I do this because everyone has a story to share. Everyone has something that they want to express why do you because i want to learn about you i want to learn why do you do it why do you love doing your act being robin williams why do you love comedy so much why do you love just waking up every morning and you know quoting robin williams or being like being like him you know like what drives you what makes you you because that's what buddies are about learning about each other learning about what makes them unique, what makes them happy, what makes them them. I hear you. Um, 
Well, what do you think makes you you? I mean, that's a tricky question, but aren't, aren't you the, the person who's reaching out mm-hmm. right now to make a connection through this web mm-hmm. A wonderful idea. How do you describe yourself when you are asked that? Whenever I'm asked what makes me me, first off, physically, I'm a little person. Uh, I know you can't tell that through the screen, but I'm a little person. So much of my life has been looking up both physically and spiritually, like looking mm-hmm. up, like always finding the motivation in the day. You know, um, not going to lie. Life hasn't been all sunshine and rainbows for me. I've been I've been tackling the odds since since before I was born. Long story short, my mom found out about me after a horrific car accident where a semi ran the red light. And the doctors from that moment told her, like, before she passes out, she says she thinks she's pregnant. Passes out, wakes up in the emergency room. Within an hour of being conscious, gets told, yeah, you're pregnant, but don't get your hopes up. This kid's not going to make it. We don't think so. They gave her a list of odds that told her the only chances I had of making it past the age of three, let alone birth, were medical miracles, life in ICU, life on seizure medication. Just this kid's just not going to have a normal life. Let's face it. Start planning now before it's, you know, so it's not that shock. But my mom was is my hero because she looked at them and said, I'll start planning when I have to. I'll start. Well, I'll, start crying. I'll start crying when I'm putting this kid in the ground. Till then, I'm giving him the best life possible. Wow. And she went What's on to her give name? Me... Her name's Lisa. Is she still alive? She is. Lisa, thank you. Mm-hmm. A great choice. Yes. She went on to give birth to a healthy, normal baby boy. Um, she's been my role model since. But then at age three, we found out that I was diagnosed with my form of dwarfism called hypochondroplasia. Mm-hmm. To me, greatest thing in the one, one of the greatest things in the world. It makes me who I am. I get com- I do a little stand up comedy. Oh yeah, wow. like I've done some stand up comedy. Like I've done, you know, from my viewpoint, like mm-hmm. you know, you get asked a lot of interesting questions, and here's how I combat those questions. Right. You know, like how well, what are the some of the questions you get asked and how do you combat them? I'm just for example, like um, like people, people who really don't understand dwarfism get these crazy ideas that like. Like they think it's nonsense, but they're like, how can I prove it's nonsense by rather asking like someone's asked me before, are all little people related to which I respond, are all tall people this stupid, you know, like <laughs> I can't even believe somebody would ask that. But like that thing, you know, like that thing, you know, I'm always the guy for education. Like I'll always say no, but you know, like in comedy sense, you got to ask like, did you really just have to ask that? Well, let me ask you something because Robin Williams used to do everybody in his act. Yeah. He didn't, including people with, uh, you know, challenges, physical challenges, like people with Mm -hmm. uh, speech impediments, blind people, Little people. I mean, he would not go after them as much as he had characters that he did. Mm-hmm. You couldn't do those today. I and know. people would laugh and laugh. And then he would get letters like, dude, really? And mm-hmm. they, he would be canceled today. I just wondered how following. And, and you were aware of some of the things that he used to do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Know, I know he used to. Or just... 
for me, it, it depends on the intention of what someone's doing. Of course, yes. If it's if you're intending to harass me, like when I do my comedy, I'm making you laugh with me. Mm-hmm. I'm getting you to laugh with me. Like I'm saying, this is okay to laugh at. Like this is okay. Hey, you know, like it's my viewpoint. Right. I'm not saying okay, three people like me walk into a bar or something like that. You know, like I'm not going like something like that. I'm going like, hey, here's what here's my life here's how my life has entertainment and funniness in it like i can like here's the thing i always tell people you and me go walk down a street corner and our goal is to out of that you know out of that moment our goal is to see who gets the most attention you you have to do so you physically have to do things sing dance you know uh do your act Mm -hmm. do all this stuff like you have to literally make a scene me I could stand there like this, and I guarantee you at least three heads are going. No, because I could probably be louder and stupider than you, and mm-hmm. they would probably eventually go, well, yeah, but who's who's the idiot? Mm-hmm. You know, who's the guy yeah. making all the noise? Last night, me, me and my girl, the other night, we were out at about well, 11 o'clock singing Christmas carols in the middle of town at 11. Silent night! <laughs> Waiting for the lights to come on in the houses. That would get attention, and it's not necessarily mm-hmm. good attention, but yeah. I don't think we'd be seeking attention. But I know what you mean. You're yeah. automatically going to get the attention. Bingo. Do you want it? And that's the other thing, too. Like, I've had plenty of moments in my life. Like, there was one day where, you know, I was just going through a McDonald's drive through yeah. nothing of it, just picking up dinner. And I could see through the drive through window, or through the drive through window, that um, the employee that was serving me all of a sudden, like, grabs her friend, moves her friend over to the window and is like pointing at me like, look at that, look at that. And I'm just like, really? Like that had to happen today? You know, but at the same time, there were also, um, there are also some great encounters that I've turned educational, like this one, for example. But there was another time where um, I was at another fast food restaurant. This was like years before. And I could see the look on the cashier's face. I know this look anywhere I go, seen it a million times. This look means I'm not just going to come and order a burger and be on my way. I'm going to have to talk to someone today about something that, you know, maybe I don't want to talk about because I'm having a long day, just like you. You know, everyone's entitled to, everyone has feelings, emotions. I'm no different than you. Yeah. But so I, she gets this look on her face and I'm like, here we go. And she goes, I don't want to offend you, but you're the first a little person is that correct? I'm like, keep going, you're good. And she's like, <laughs> yeah, and she's like, you're the first little person I've actually met in real life. I, I have some questions for you. I'll take your order first, but can I ask you some questions? I'm like, lady, you're not even in the ballpark of offensive. Ask away. And she Whoa. asked what I call the pamphlet questions, like, am I the only little person in my family? How do I drive? You know, stuff I answer all the time. Sure. So. It's, if I can get a situation like that, if the intention is to educate you to, you know, you're being sincere, you really want to know, you know, like how I live my life, all this stuff, then I'm glad to do it. But if your intentions to say like, hey, how's the weather down there or something like that, you know, something like that where you're intending to harass me or to get, you know. Mm, yeah, no, I'm not yeah. even in that ballpark, yeah. but I wanted, I do want to ask you because we're, mm-hmm. I don't want this to all be about me because I think you're a wonderful yeah, no, no. guy. But I guess the question is when when you're encountering on these shows, I mean, for example, mm-hmm. here we are. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, do you want to be treated special or would you be offended if you were treated like everybody else? Just the same way that, you know, I think, you know, my son is trans. Like my son, mm -hmm. my child is trans. There's nothing wrong There's with that. A, what's that? There's nothing wrong with that. No, there isn't. I'm totally supportive. I love them to pieces. Um, I'm struggling sometimes with the pronouns, but I'm totally cool with it. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I just, I just don't always remember. I keep mm -hmm. calling him him instead of they. Yeah. You know, I I mess up a little bit, but you know, some people want to be treated special. As, and I wanted mm -hmm. to know if you want to be treated like everybody else, or I want to be treated differently because I'm different. Mm -hmm. I am special. I'm special in a different way. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm special because I'm me. Exactly. Not because I'm Jewish, not because I'm an alcoholic, not because I'm bipolar, but because I'm, I have my own special thing. And I just, mm -hmm. I think to be pigeonholed, I'm, I'm asking you, how yeah. do you want to be treated? Generally? So number one, I'm always a fan of the limelight. If it's the positive limelight, like if it's right. the, if I'm, you know, eh, you know, if it's the good treatment, but at the same time, don't, you know, give me like a special pass out of this job because, you know, out of like today's work at the job because you think, is he going to be able to handle it? Is it, you know, treat me like everyone else. Like, yeah, that's, that's what, what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. my parents, for example, like my mother, she treats me like, uh, like, like my siblings, you know, I get in trouble. I still get punished. Right. I do something good. I still get praised. You know, there's no, he gets extra praises because, you know, we got it. She said, or, you know, oh, we got to go easy on him because that, we, yeah. we got to go easy on him because, you know, he's, he's the little one. He's the smallest one in the family. Let's. Well, I, wanted, I want you to go easy on me because I'm a spoiled brat, not because I'm anything else. Yeah. Because I'm spoiled. That's not because I have some physical other mm -hmm. thing or mental thing. Yeah. Just so <laughs> I don't want you to go easy on me, period. Yeah. Not because well, of anything else other than, you know, my, my, my psyche. Tell mm -hmm. me, don't beat me up. Mm -hmm. I promise. So now talking about how others view us, how other, you know, other viewpoints, that brings up my next question. How, what has been the reaction you've gotten from this movie from other people? You've said you've gotten some positive ones, but what have been the reactions, you know? Are you trying to get back on track with this interview? Damn it. We were having so much fun. I mean, it was a good opportunity. It was a good opportunity. A celebrity you know? again? Oh no, mayday, mayday, we're going down. Okay. It was a good opportunity to throw it in. Oh, it's a good opportunity for me to brag. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's been amazing. I don't know. I'm surprised. But I set out to make the movie that I set out to make. I made the movie I wanted to make. I had some help. A lot of help. 300 people donated to this film to help me make wow. it. So I, it's a we thing. And those credits are long. There's a lot of people to thank. So there's a humility in that it was really hard to finish. I spent two years like a monkey with a typewriter, learning how to edit and learning my style of editing, just like any other art form, the reaction. I mean, I could read you some things that people are saying. Um, they're very moved by it. They're, they're reacting in a very uh, emotional, uh, visceral way. It affects people. And I think it's partly because I left it raw. I didn't slick it Hollywood, you know, it looks like what it is. It looks like somebody desperately tried to make a movie about something they desperately felt strongly about. And it moves people 
not because it, it's so desperate in its nature, because it's so honest in its execution. I honestly tried to make a movie about what happened to me when Robin Williams took over my life. And people's reaction, I could read some of them to you, but uh, yeah, you want to hear one? Sure. Here are the reviews. No, there were some legitimate reviews by a, a national film critic, but I rather enjoy some of the ones that other people are sending that people that I hardly know that are writing in and saying, hey, I saw your film and uh, here's how it affected me. So I'm going to give you just a little bit of that and it'll just take me a minute so to find it. Um, actually, no, it's going to take me longer. Eh. Uh, there's a lot of people writing to me about how it affected them. There's a lot of people saying, I've never seen anything like it. And that to me is the biggest compliment that there is. Mm -hmm. um, you could go out and do something and it's like, yeah, it reminded me of that thing. It was like Love Story or it was like uh, Star Wars or, you know, something that's super popular. This is not, it, it, it's just not like that. It's just nothing like this. That's to me the best compliment that I that I heard today. What, one of my girlfriend's friends wrote and said she couldn't believe it. She was so deeply touched by it, and by the fact that it was so like nothing she'd ever seen. And so I'm just over here celebrating the fact that I achieved one of the goals in life, which was to do something completely original that didn't smell, look, taste, or feel like anything that anybody had done. Doesn't mean it's great. I'm not saying it is but it is moving people and they're scratching their heads and going, what the hell did I just watch? And they're crying. And one lady, because there's a joyous element and there's also deeply it's Robin. And I didn't do Robin because, Oh, we'll get money and we'll get people to love. They're calling me. The, the subject of the story is about my journey and my difficulty and my struggle as a mentally ill man who thinks he's possessed by Robin Williams. That's the crux of it. Robin's a big part of it because we wonder if his spirit really is in this. And that's, that's the controversy. It's not like an angry controversy, but it's like, is this guy crazy and delusional? Or is Robin, I see Robin in there. I felt Robin there for a second. It's, it's like a radio wave. It comes in and you're like, what did I just see? And then what happened? Mm -hmm. So the, the, the crux of it is uh, I'm sitting here wondering what the hell am I going to do now? And we're not selling that many films. It's, it's weird. The internet try to sell something on the internet, but we're booking really interesting theaters like the Cabot theater in Beverly and the mystic luxury cinema. And the sh people are wanting to see when you share it in a theater with people, you hear their gasps. The guy next to me was grabbing my arm going, oh, my God. And people are weeping after the show and buying the movie. And it's like, I didn't expect this. I made the movie to try to find out what was going on with me and then sharing it. And in the sharing of it, I recognized that I created something. Uh, no, I didn't create anything. I just facilitated it. There was something that needed to be created and I was used to create it from wherever that came from. So I took part in something that was very unusual and may end up being a cult something or other. It may end up being nothing, but 
all the responses telling me we have something very unusual. Mm-hmm. You know? And I'm not bragging about it. I'm just like oh. mystified that this actually is getting the reaction that it is. One girl, mm-hmm. uh, one lady watched it nine times, she told me. I'm like, who watches a movie nine times? Well, there's a lot in it. There's a lot to figure out. It's dense. It's emotional. It's uh, you got to watch it. To, you might have missed something. Uh, there it is. There you go. There you go. What about what about a reaction from the movie or from you being Robin that's really stood out to you? Something someone's really said to you that still leaves an impact on your heart today. You mentioned all those fan encounters. What's one that you'll never ever forget? Well, again, it was a review by Peter Keo, who's a, a very prestigious writer. For He used to write for the Boston Globe. Now he writes independently. And he said something that I, I really just needed to quote. I can quote without reading it. He said, you know, in the history of mental illness, there's those who have claimed to be Napoleon or Einstein but they didn't actually create a nuclear reactor or conquer Europe. And then they start talking about me. Now this guy came out and said he was Robin Williams and then created a show and a movie because of his belief, not was Robin Williams, but somehow in joined, you know, and I thought that that was a very interesting thing to say. It wasn't a rave. He, he was reporting what he saw and he saw the truth. He saw things that I didn't see. He, a really good writer will clarify some things for, for me. And he did. And people thank me. And that's a lot. That means a lot to me that they thank me for somehow creating this thing where they feel Robin. So that's a big one. And I hear that a lot. I mean, I'm also hearing nothing, to be honest people that have watched the movie and hasn't responded at all or haven't have gotten the movie and haven't watched it or got halfway through it, including my own kids like dad, I couldn't finish it. And that's cool. And there's people that saying you shouldn't have done this. And there's people that saying Jamie Costa, this other Robin Williams impersonator should have, I'm like, cool, man. What do you want me to do about it? I did what I did as best as I could. And let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, there's this question formulating in my mind right now. If Robin were still here today and you got a chance to meet him, what would be the one thing you'd want to say to him? Let's party. No, I don't know. Uh, well, let me see how that would go. Hi, Robin. I've been waiting my whole life to meet you. Yeah, well, I only got five minutes, so shh, let's just be here. But I, shh, it's okay. I know. Where's my Oscar? I tried. What happened? You didn't go to Hollywood. You should have done this. You should have done this with Hollywood. They would have been big production. It would have been incredible. Five million dollars. That's all I ask. And get Jimmy somebody to play me, not you. You did hairy little Jew. You don't know what you're doing. But Robin, I, I did my best. I know. Thank you for trying. What would I want to say to him? I wouldn't want to say anything. I just want to listen to what he had to say. But I think in some way, Robin's very, very honored by what we did. I want to sit down with Robin and 
you know, like I've done with any celebrity that I admire, I've said what they meant to me, how they've inspired me, all that boring stuff. I'd say, let's go and get like the nastiest cheeseburger and just sit and be stupid. Let's just riff. All I want to do is improvise with you, man. Let's just be crazy together in public. And Love uh, it. that's what I would really want to do with that. I would never get that opportunity to just suck up to a celebrity and lose the chance to really have fun with them, mm-hmm. you know, and that would be, that would be the best. Not Love it. You know what I mean? Love it. Now I got two more questions for you, but to make this an official, what I call an official buddy cast. Before <laughs> I ask those two questions. Yeah. I got to ask, could you give us your Mrs. Doubtfire impersonation? Oh, no. <clears throat> oh, no, dear. I can't because my vocal cords are a little screwed up tonight. But um, I tell you what, go watch the movie. It's much better than what I do. Love it. Uh, that's, you... <laughs> that's one of my favorite characters. Well, I know it's not one of mine and it's not one that I do particularly well, dear. But <laughs> I understand that um, I use it in my act when Robin gets way out of line. Uh, Mrs. Delphi gives him a timeout. Mm. Go sit down now, dear. Why? Because you're being naughty and you're sweating like a pig. Go sit down. You're going to be quiet. No, I can't. Shh, it's all right. And then he does something funny in the audience laughs. Oh, don't encourage him, dears. No. But my voice is a little raw right now. I can't really get any upper you Get a better show with Papa, you know? <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you. Thank so you. Much. Oh, it was good for me too, dear. Mm-hmm. My buddy. Yeah, my... I, uh, I think there's uh, 20 million people that do Mrs. Doubtfire better than I do. I'm not actually that mm-hmm. vocally acute uh, mm-hmm. with a lot of stuff because of the way my voice is constructed. I have to rely on other things like soul and face and mm-hmm. behavior. Mm-hmm. I've been criticized because he doesn't sound anything like Robin. I'm like, what do you want me to do? I gotta have my vocal cords fixed for you. Yes, yes, we could get down in there if I really work on it. But some of the elements, what are you gonna do? It's mm-hmm. kind of all movement. Sorry, I don't know. Oh, please don't make me do this. It's all right, dear. Thank you. Don't be afraid. Who are you talking to? Oh, my buddy. Hey, how you doing? We're back. I'm sorry. What was your question? Awesome. And my fiance just texted me that one of her favorite Mrs. Doubtfire quotes is. Help is on the way. Help is on the way. See, I'm losing it. I don't quite have it right now. I need to get a vocal coach to help me because every time I go on the road, just get back from Canada, uh, I lose my voice. So it takes me weeks to get it back. And I don't know how I'm going to do the next 17 city tour with this voice that keeps going in and out. So I have to be careful. What was the other question, dear? Yes, I have two more for you. All right. The first one is brought to us by my buddy Jonas Kane at Hashtag Positivity. He wants to I know. Yep. Did he, he just wants... chime in just now? Nope. He sponsors the question. I dedicate the question to him. So the question is, in your own words, what does it mean to be someone's buddy? Oh, I like that question. Can I use somebody else's words? Go for it. <laughs> no, <laughs> I wouldn't, I'm not, let's be honest. You know, you can be real, you know, show busy, but you asked me an honest question and what does it mean to be somebody's buddy? A lot of it has to do with me is building a history where they might 
do something that offends you or upsets you or condemns you. In some cases, I've been have character assassinated. But what I will do is forgive and try to build, repair, mend fences. So that's just the negative side of it. To be somebody's buddy means to really know somebody. To really, I mean, you can always say, oh, I'll be there for you. I always rely on you. But if you can call them and tell them the truth about them for their own benefit in a loving, respectful way, I got a lot of friends, man. Some of them I've never met. A lot of Facebook friends. Um, somebody who hears you when you're in pain, who acknowledges when you're in trouble and tries to help, not just prayers and wishes, but, which is fine. But I get aggravated when somebody's like, you know, like I recently lost my mom and they're like, you know, prayers to your family and, and somebody that I've known for years and years. They're not giving me a personal like note. They're just giving me a Facebook thing. Mm -hmm. When I would really take the time to really say, I, I feel you, I'm with you. I know what she meant to you. She was blah, 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 this. And I remember that time she did that. And we have a connection. Prayers and wishes and stuff is, is, is fine. It's mm -hmm. an acknowledgement that you want to look like you're in, you know, like you showed up. But if you're really going to show up, you may make a phone call and see how they're really doing. Mm -hmm. And I can be guilty of not doing that too. So I can be a fair weather buddy. I got a lot of, lot to do. And I have to make apologies sometimes for not being the best friend I could make. But, you know, my whole thing is about mending fences, keeping good relationships and having a relationship with the world. You can be a buddy to the world. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You can be a benefactor to the world. You can be a good presence like you. You're doing this thing by encouraging this idea of buddies. So you're doing something positive for the world. You're giving off an energy. You're putting, you're emitting love, which we really need. And for me, I'm just trying to make people laugh sometimes and give them my truth and share their truth so that uh, they can see me as somebody that um, is, is good for them and spoke yeah. instead of toxic mm -hmm. until I start talking too much. And then they're like, oh, okay, well, that's a long answer. What, what, you, what about you? What do you consider a buddy? I consider a buddy someone who's always there for you, good or bad, who... Even when other people are spewing lies about you or oh, sure. doing the, you know, they're the ones that know the truth and know that's not my buddy. You know, the buddies are the ones that you, you know, like when you're in that moment, when you have a devastating loss, like you lost your mother, you know, when I lost my grandfather, there were people that said, sending prayers to you and your family. And there were ones that said, that would call me and go, where are you right now? We're coming to pick you up. We're going to take you to, you know, we're going to take you to your favorite restaurant. We're just going to get for a minute, you know, for just that moment, we're going to get your mind off of everything and just be there for you. Wow. You know? And that's, uh, and that's what one of my best, but my best buddy who, um, you know, I remember him when I lost my grandfather, I remember him walking into the viewing and for the first time, we've known each other since kindergarten. He was one of the first people to look past the dwarfism, look past everything and go, hi, friend. You know, for the first time in over, I think it was over like 15 years of knowing each other. 
Mm-hmm. I just stood there in front of him, hugged him, and was speechless. Like I couldn't utter a word. Like I physically could not well, tell him. But I had to. I had to write him a message later saying, you know, I'm very sorry that I couldn't speak, but just know that I, the you being there for me at that moment meant more than you will ever know to me. You just being there one of the hardest times of my life meant the world to me. It showed me what two friends really are. So that's what I consider a buddy. You know, someone who knows you personally is there for you and will always be there for you no matter what. You you brought up something that I realized now, the connection to the word, which in scuba diving means your partner you're partnered with somebody, you're, you're their diving buddy. They depend on you if something goes wrong and vice versa. Um, you're linked by the need to exist. <laughs> um, that's pretty strong. You know, when you realize that somebody is there, not just to glad hand you and to chat you up, but to get you through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to get you through. And I've heard some great stories about that, including the one you just shared. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it goes beyond, I think really beyond. It's a good question. And uh, you know, my mm-hmm. best buddies over there making all Christmas cards and somebody who has shown me unconditional caring, devotion, friendship. Um, somebody I've only known for a year, but has given me a way to see what a person is capable of giving. Mm-hmm. Made me want to be that kind of person too. That is devoted. That is, I've had a lot of relationships in my life, and um, I've never seen anything like Madeline, Madeline, mm-hmm. who, in so many ways, has revived me mm-hmm. and been amused. And we are constantly laughing and sharing. Last night, we sat on the hood of my laid down on the hood of my car and watched a meteor shower at, you know, 10, 10 at night in freezing cold weather. And we saw like 11 shooting stars. She'd never seen one. And just to share that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, it was wonderful to be able to share that and really have somebody to share that with a buddy um, who's also, you know, a dear friend, a, a partner, a lover. And, uh, you know, just somebody that gets that really understands you understand each other. You know, you just you just described my my fiance right mm-hmm. then and there. She understands me better than anyone. That's one reason why I wanted to be with her. Like I felt when we st- first started talking, I felt like she truly understands me. Like there were time there was a time that mm-hmm. I went out to you know to a bar with my family you know with my cousins and everything like that and the entire time i'm there i'm like i don't want to be here anymore i just want to be at home in bed chatting with this lady like chatting with her on my phone because she was from massachusetts i'm from pennsylvania what's, what's her name jessica not that i know her but uh mm-hmm. but i jessica. just want to know her name mm-hmm. yeah so you met her here in massachusetts or in pennsylvania so we met virtually um oh oh okay yeah. Yeah. And then she ended up moving to Pennsylvania after our relationship grew. As our relationship grew, and a year ago, four days, a year and four days ago, um, we got engaged. That's how. Oh, congratulations! Thank That's you. And, and it takes time to really. It does. 
sink in what you what this person means to you. You don't rush it. You just let no. that evolve. I mean, we were virtual for the first six months of our relationship because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. But when we got to meet each other for the first time, it was as if though we've known each other our whole lives. That's how meaningful it was. Yeah, yeah I want to show you something along that line because it happens to be in the corner of my eye. Mm -hmm. This is my first meeting with Madeline on the set of the movie. Wow. She was this lady who was playing an extra. She was an extra sitting in the front row of a, of a very small theater. And she kept glowing at me. And I, I felt compelled to leave the stage, come down and hug this woman. So that's the scene in the movie. And that's actually the back of her head. And that's me playing Robin. And she actually made this. She weaved this together out of paper. Wow. And gave it to me. So I thought that was, that's just the back of her head. Mm -hmm. But I thought, what a wonder she spent, like, I don't even know how long she worked on this to give me this handmade, woven, this is all paper woven together. Wow. And I was just like so slammed by the artistry and the devotion. Mm -hmm. You have to pay attention when somebody does something like, like that. But that's how we met on the set of my movie. That is awesome. And that's me and my fiance today. Like when I brought her the idea of BuddyCast, yeah. I told her, hey, you know, number one, I've got this dream that's just not going away. Like, I feel like it could be something. I feel like it could turn into something. This is, you know, it might start out small, but I think it can grow because I've got connections. Mm -hmm. I want your permission on this. Number one, to know that this will never come in the way of us. It will never be, if you ever give me the ultimatum, it's me or Buddy Cast. <laughs> thank you so much or that would i doubt very much if she if she gave you that ultimatum i'd have to really look twice at her and wonder you know but yeah. i doubt anybody would give you an ultimatum for this yeah. I mean, but if it was ever something like that you know yeah. i know where i'm going i wanted her to know that i wanted her to know that it's never gonna come first like it's never like hey i'd love to go on date night with you but i got a buddy cast tonight can we reschedule you know it's not it would be me reaching out to you Hey, buddy, I know I was scheduled for you tonight, but something came up. Can I push you back to tomorrow or something like that? You know, and we did that, didn't we? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right and on. then and then finally, so I had presented this idea to her. And the first thing out of her mouth was, not only do I love this idea, but can I be your first guest? <laughs> Great. So that was and there's a story. Well, behind. Tell her, that. I, tell her I for me. We'll do so you have another question, right? Yes. The final question tonight is what I call the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. You ready for this one? I don't know. What is your advice to anybody who wants to be a comedian, an impersonator, or just do what you do and follow their dreams and just be who they are? In the words of Richard Pryor, run! <laughs> And teach your old lady how to run so she doesn't have to go after your ass. You're good. No, that's not my answer. That's Richard mm -hmm. Carl's answer. Anybody who wants to go into stand-up comedy, if they're, if they're burning to do it, will find a way to do it. Do not be intimidated by the power people. That's all they are. They're people. And... I fell into that for a long time. I get into starstruckness, the power of, you know, this guy from America's Got Talent. I looked him up. He's a guy with a fiance like you. He's a young guy with a, with a, with a dog and a fiance and a job. And his job is to find me. So I can call him Ben 
and I could say, hey, Ben, how you doing? And not get thrown into, oh, my God, they want me. Oh, my God. No, my job is to forget the trip and to do the work. Folks, if you want to be a comedian or you want to be an actor, whatever you want to be, just do the work. Do it because you love to do it. Don't worry so much at first who's going to see it or who's watching. Do not think about success or failure. I put my heart and soul into my work, whatever that work is. And I do different things. You know, um, I love to edit. I love to paint, act, do comedy. Um, I like to just do do what comes to my heart to do, to be of service to people. Um, and I do, I, I'm all in with both feet at the time. And then I move on to maybe do something else that's that's in front of me. But I don't worry about the results. The results are none of my business. Don't go out there thinking I'm going to kill or I'm going to bomb. Go out there and do your job. Do the thing that you love and do it as best you can and breathe and enjoy and suck it up because this is what you dreamt about. Like what you're doing, buddy. You're not out here freaking out. You're having, you're chill, you know? You're really a great host. Thank you. The love is there. Trust. You know, faith comes from experience too. Faith comes from, I've been this, I've done this, I've bombed, I've succeeded. I know now and then it's, you know, it's a little of this and we got to just relax. And then when it comes time to do the work, you do the work, you don't take the trip. Oh my God, I'm on the Tonight Show. Oh my God. I'm going to go talk to Jay Leno in front of a, you know, in front of Garth Brooks. And then, oh, there'll be 8 million people watching, but whatever. I I don't get too wound up over these things anymore. At the same time, I'm looking down the barrel at doing something really stupid, like going in front of 8 million people with this Robin Williams impression, hoping in two minutes I could do it. But I'm not thinking about success and failure. I'm a little stage fright. I got performance anxiety. And that is conquered by practice and and trust in what you do and what you've worked on. And once you've worked on it and you feel like you've worked on it, then just go play. That's it. Love that answer. Go play. Have fun. Mm-hmm. What are you hanging around the misery for? It's it's all there for you, you know? Mm-hmm. So we'll go I'm going to end this episode with one of my favorite quotes, and I've said it a million times on this show, which is, man who works for passion is far richer than man who works for money. And slate. Awesome. For all my buddies, I love that. That's yes. brilliant. And buddy, I have one, one yes. favor to ask you before we close out this episode. Yeah. Whatever you do today, tomorrow, next week, next month, even next year, please go be someone's buddy. You got it. I promise you that. Somebody I never met. Go for it. Okay, well, I will make that a goal. I will make that a a quest. You if got I, it. I could use I could use that. I For will. My, I absolutely will. Thank you. For all my buddies out there, this is my buddy Roger. Please check out his movie, Being Robin. You won't regret it. It's I hear it's a great movie. I can't wait to watch it myself. Robin, thank you for being a buddy on Buddy Cast. Like you're I said, wonderful. you're, thank you. you're a buddy. Stick around for a minute. We'll chat afterwards. Okay. Thank you very much. This was awesome. You do a great show. Thank you.
Thank you. Thanks Thank for you to all my buddies out there watching. Thank you for being buddies. We'll catch you next time here on everybody's favorite show, Buddy Cast. Okay, buddy. Well, the days are going fast, buddy, buddy, we've got to make them last, buddy, buddy, before they've all gone past, buddy, buddy, tune in to Buddy Cast. Don't feel none it can make it, buddy, here on Buddy Cast. Hey, buddies, you thinking of starting your own podcast? Why not use Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast, and here's why. First off, it's free. Secondly, you have creation tools to record and edit right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor distributes for you. You can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Fourth, make money with no minimum listenership. And finally, you have everything you need for a podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started.